Greetings, everyone. This is Instructor Arnold with the Success From Within podcast. Uh, we wouldn't have this podcast if it wasn't for Anchor. Um, it's a fantastic app. Uh, one of the best things about it is that it's free. It allows you to sing your podcast all over to Spotify and all the other standard platforms, including Apple Podcasts, for free. Um, it is amazing. Uh, it allows you to do things on your phone um, or from your computer. And it also is very easy for people to interact and join. Um, it's a fantastic thing. So we wouldn't even have this podcast if it wasn't for them and their fantastic platform um so please be excited and try out your own podcast uh, you can download it free at the anchor app on the google play store um or you can go to the apple store and download it um you also can go to anchor.fm to download it as well so if you're interested in trying your hand in podcasts which is something i suggest everyone do go ahead and try it out remember success from within peace All right.
All right, that's my uh, kitchen table right there. <laughs> Can you hear yeah, me? Yeah, I'm here. All right, sweet. All right. Um. So yeah, it's funny because the camera quality on my cell phone, even like the little fucking facing one, is way better than my laptop one. Um. So I'm just using that so I can uh, get better quality video because the other one's really shitty. Yeah, my wife got me this little camera that's got a speaker in it too i forget the name logitech is a logitech camera see that's a good wife i'm gonna need i'm gonna need you to send me that afterwards brother um because right. i have been using um like i said my webcam one and it's like super old and shitty and it looks like you know some 1980s whatever whatever fuck it's it's, it's rough um <laughs> come around and out don't laugh at my text out man i'm working on it i'm working on it man all right i'm back I, that's how I'm the same way. I just make whatever work. Pretty much. Pretty much. My wife surprises me sometimes. She orders stuff on Amazon and it shows up because she heard me talking about it. This is for me. You be smiling and shit. Yeah. Yeah, that's how my girl is, man. She's fantastic. Uh I um I have been um struggling for a while. Uh how much how much time do you have? Because I figured maybe like an hour. Yeah, I'm I'm good with that. All right, sweet. Um all right, so uh, we spoke before, but basically uh, the whole purpose of the podcast is just to share information with people that they can use to um, inform and like empower themselves so they can be better for personal protection and just better citizens of the world. Um, that's one of the reasons I want to have you on because, you know, we've been, I should actually start, let me see, make sure I'm recording this. All right, yeah, we're already recording. <laughs> um, we've been playing like footsies and talking online for a while now. Um, I know just from the cursory interactions of interacting and seeing what you're doing that you're a solid dude and we have some overlap and like common missions. Uh, so I wanted to have you on just so we could talk and um, hopefully from our conversations, uh, add value to other people and the community at large, you know? Um, cool. I call this success from within podcast because all success kind of comes from within. You got to be your own little catalyst to be changing the world. And um, that's pretty much the basis of it. So um, every podcast I have, we go over some sort of like literature or article so that it's not just two people, you know, shooting from the hip and gossiping or bullshitting. It's something yeah. that you look at and once again, um, further educate and build on their own skill set, you know? Yeah. Um, so um, if you want, uh, whenever you're ready, you can introduce yourself. Uh, I, I, I don't want to do a bad job introducing you, you know, <laughs> selling you short or some shit. Um, but I know that you have been doing um, civilians instruction amongst other things. Uh, if you give a little bit of your background um, and then what you're doing nowadays, uh, that'd be fantastic. Okay. Uh, so Z Durham, Z is short for Zavon. Uh, I've been called Z for a long time now. Uh, essentially, I've, I've been military most of my adult life. I'm retired from the military now. I started out in the infantry and then did over 10 years in special operations uh, as a Green Beret in the U.S. Army. Um, once I got out in 2016, well, let's go back. While I was still in, I, I picked up on jujitsu and MMA and started fighting while I was uh, still active. And then uh, really got into jujitsu and got pretty much while I was active, I got my black belt in jujitsu. I think I got I it while I was it. still active. Huh? 
I didn't know you were a jujitsu black belt. Yeah. So I still teach twice a week at a gym that I'm partners with. Like I don't, I don't have time to put a lot into it, but I still like to teach and uh, stay current. But um, so I do that. I did that while I was in the military, got out and retired in 2016. And then I went immediately and worked at a factory <laughs> because I just, I, ever since I was a teenager, I was in the military. So before that, I worked as a steel fabrication guy and I worked at some, you know, a couple jobs here and there, Little Caesars. Is that so, a steel fabrication? Is that like um, weld, spot welding and stuff like that? Or what is it? Yeah, I wasn't the welder. I was the saw man. So I would cut all the pieces and we we did steel fabrication for like uh, carousels and, and different parts and things. For, I was a young around the world, Z. Yeah, well, I was just doing whatever because they paid <laughs> me and they I had to travel a little bit. Yeah. So I enjoyed that being a teenager. But I was a, I was a criminal kid, man. So I was getting in trouble all the time. I had to leave South Carolina where you visited, I think, Greenville, near there. Oh, yeah, the, yeah. I go there um, a couple times a year to see uh, my friend Chris Lyles. He has a um, yeah, South, South Carolina, Carolina gun school. school. Yeah, I taught there. I taught a little class. I mean, He's a cool dude, man. I, I like, um, that's a funny thing. I always tell that story because um, a lot of people have, uh, going to one of our points we'll talk about later, but a lot of people have these, uh, you know, misconceptions, judging books by the cover and stuff like that. And, um, you know, you're looking at Chris not talking to him, just looking at his appearance, quote, unquote. He's got a big beard. He might take you as a redneck or some other type of white undesirable but you talk to him and he's the coolest dude ever like um real uh open real giving you know just, just he's a solid dude man um and uh we had an interesting interaction uh, a couple years ago at train and learn where uh i went to south carolina first time in greenville and we were doing some stuff you know off the beaten path and i showed up in like a little rental you know and he's just like yeah that, that, that's not gonna make it where you need to go and um, i was just like uh can i get a ride with you he's like yeah no problem man and um I wind up having an issue with my flight where I missed it. And he let me stay with him for an extra night, like in his hotel and stuff. So I said, you know, since we shared a bed together, like he and I, you know, we consecrated our relationship. He's in with me, man. I've gone out there to visit him for the holidays and his family. Uh, I cook mac and cheese for him and stuff. So me and Chris are like, you know, blood in, blood out. Like he's my man, you know. I saw, um, I see a man look, posting about uh, uh, not uh train to learn yeah. and i didn't know he was that that involved in the community till after i had already taught there because i reached out to him because i just looked because i'm from greenville my grandparents were were doing bad a, a year or so ago and i reached out to some range i was like well i'm down there let me go ahead and teach a class so yeah. i already knew i had some people down there asking about it so i reached out to him i was like hey man this is me i didn't know if he knew me or not i don't think he did and uh and I was like, hey, this is my credentials. You know, I wanted them to know that I wasn't just any old body just trying to come in there and get on his range. So yeah, like, a lot you know, of people who print out an NRA certification just try to run, you know, run courses everywhere. Right. So I was sending them, you know, like links and, you know, my background. And I was sending him, you know, whatever, whatever made him feel, give a warm and fuzzy. And yeah. I, he said that I could come down. We agreed to a price. And I talked down there and he was, uh, you know, back in the pasture. You know, he drive, yeah, got to drive yeah, to the yeah. pasture. So it was cool. And he was a cool guy. And then I followed him on Instagram and I've been, excuse me, following him ever since. And I like, I really like the vibe he's putting out in the community. I like the diversity that's involved. And I know that's some cliche bullshit people are trying to right worry here. about. It's, it's one of those trigger words where you don't want to kind of even say it. Um, well, but it's it's misused it. nowadays. Yeah, 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 yeah. But at the same time, it has its value too. Cause um, a lot of people for one reason or another, um, you know, they feel that they, they have to be in certain groups or they're not accepted in other groups, you know? 
And um, with anything, it's kind of like, you know, you make your own path, you know? Um, not everybody's going to accept you everywhere, but at least you know where you are accepted or not. Not everybody's going to call you friends or family, but you have to venture forth to even find it, you know? Yeah. Um, I cut you off. You're talking, I'm sorry. You're talking about uh, your background, uh, how when you got out, you got into, you got back into doing still work. You worked at Little Caesars for a stint. And oh, then no. Well, that was, well, that was before I went to the Army. I was in Little Caesars and all that stuff. Went to the Army, and then when I got out, I was one. I just wanted a regular job, so I went to a, a factory called Bridgestone Med Alpha, where they make steel cord for tires. Okay. And I was like, I know I, I want to work, and they put me in charge of a shift. I was. They call you a coach, but it's like a shift supervisor. So you're over like 20 people running a, a shift, and you got to keep them on 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 task for their their production every night or day. You had swing shifts, so I did that for a year, and then I was like, you know. I worked harder there than I did in the army. <laughs> no, but, Seriously. Like, a funny thing, like I worked as a Leo and like I worked as a teacher for almost eight, nine years doing high school and working as a teacher was by far the most stressful, ridiculous thing I've ever done. I was like, I got to get out of here. I was getting gray hairs and stuff. Yeah. I was just like, this is like as a cop, if something's going bad, you can call for backup. You got support at the station house and stuff. But as a teacher, like it's all on you, no one gives a fuck, you know, and appreciates you. I was just like, oh, fuck this shit. You got 30 different personalities. Mm -hmm. um, it was rough. And uh, I got a bunch of teenagers. I, I can't even imagine having a whole <laughs> classroom and dealing with multiple classes throughout the day. And you don't know what yeah. kind of mood they're in. And nowadays, yeah, kids, they ain't got no emotional control, man. They just wild. Oh, negative, negative, negative. No, no negative. Um, so, all right. So you got out and then um, you said you wanted that. Yeah. Uh, but. So I got involved with a partner at a company called Asset, Advanced Security Services Evaluation and Training. And I was helping consult with them and do different things for them for security and for training. And then I became a, the, the vice president. So I'm a partner in the part owner and I'm Good the night. vice president. And that's what we do, static security. I train my security and we if I do organizational training like we do for fifth group, doing mobility, driving courses off road and some police stuff. Uh, I go through them and then instructor Z, which is me and what I put together is kind of like our civilian offering or open enrollment offering for that company. It's an, I, it's I didn't even branch. know that affiliation with asset. I, I wasn't even aware of it. Uh, yeah. So that's my company as far as like legit company and it covers everything that I do here. And I'm just, this is my branch of it that I run for okay. the open, open enrollment part of it so i've been doing that for a while now my wife's a private investigator so i help her out a lot she started out with asset but now she's got we got our own business for her to do her thing and uh just been teaching i love teaching i love passing on knowledge i love uh really another cliche way or phrase is empowering people but i feel like <laughs> but but i mean that's what it is man like um like for one thing I didn't know, like all, me and my, all my siblings, we have a pretty high level of confidence and we're not afraid to assert ourselves, be it in a good situation or a bad situation to stand up for stuff. And like talking to other people as I got older, like a lot of people aren't built that way or aren't empowered that way. Like I wasn't afraid of like conflict too. Like most of my fights growing up through adolescence was helping out other people getting jumped or bullied and stuff like that. And I just thought that's what you do, you know? Like, I don't want to get jumped and stomped out by three dudes, so I'm going to help this dude get off of the floor and shit like that. But um, it's really interesting that a lot of people have different experiences and walk through life differently. And then once you show them, like, you don't have to, you know, walk by meekly and, like, be afraid of people and, like, look down at the ground and you can actually assert yourself verbally. Not always about, like, you know, 
physical violence, but just mm. even the way you carry yourself where, as you know, predators look for prey. So if you don't look like prey, they won't attack you a lot of times, you know? They'll do that right. extra math, like, Ugh, I don't know if it's mm. worth the risk. And um, doing that and seeing how people move differently through life is is empowering. It sounds super cliche, but it is. It, it can literally change well, someone's like, life. Well, when you're born, especially, you know, we can talk about backgrounds or whatever, but I, I've been putting a lot of thought into this myself and, and it wasn't my fault necessarily that I didn't believe in myself because when you come from broken families and you come from whatever and people, what you know of people at a young age is distrust and that they fail you and that they they abuse you or they uh or they let you down so that paints the picture for how you look at everybody and including yourself right so you're like you don't trust anybody you only do it yourself you're hard-headed and then but you also put yourself in a box like hey well this is what i'm destined to be like this and i heard tony robbins one time you know the the big motivational speaker tony robbins he's awesome but he talks about people thinking they have a blueprint that they have to go by. This is the blueprint. This is what I'll know from childhood. This is my measure of success. And if I don't meet this blueprint, then I don't mean anything. They don't have any self-worth or value. So we make our blueprint based off our experiences as a young child. And my blueprint was people ain't worth a shit. I wasn't worth a shit. Right. And, and you sell yourself short. Yeah. I'm, ne I'm never going to be, I just never seen myself as being capable of this, this, or this. It was like, you're going to go this way. And age old story, probably. And it's not this way for everybody, but for me, I needed the military. And I talked about this on the podcast I did last week. Um, military was a pivotal point in my life. It was a time when I had to tell myself the truth. And the truth was where I was at at home in South Carolina in Greenville, South Carolina and the way, way I was doing things, I wasn't strong enough to do anything better for myself. I just couldn't do it on my own. And I was like, and I don't think this is always the route that you got to take, but for me, it's almost like that fake it till you make it thing. So I said, well, I'm going to go to the military and put myself from here into here where I don't have a lot of choices to do anything else. And I still fucked up in the military and almost got kicked out my first year and did, I was still me, even though I was in the military, but eventually some of it took, and I started to see a bigger picture outside yeah. of me. And I told him, the guy I was talking to last week, I said, basically, the bigger picture of the military and what it was about gave me purpose until I could find value in myself. So that was my value until I came to a, a transition point where I learned to be, my, be valuable to myself without that. That was a crutch. And I needed it, though, because I wasn't going to. I wasn't going to do anything at home without some kind of crutch to keep me going until I could realize my own value. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, th that, that's important that you saw that need, you know, some people don't um, have that realization that I need to fix something or something's not right. Some people don't even know it's not right. You know, they think that's the way it's supposed to be. Um, I know one big thing uh, I always used to always harp on is that you'll never be greater than your own self image. You know, if you think you can, or you think you can't, you're right in both instances, yeah. you know? If you exactly. think it worth it, it's all that, like it's all very true. Um, I go over that with my children and other people all the time. When people say I can't do that or whatever, like you have to at least you're exactly you're, right. <laughs> yeah, you're right, <laughs> absolutely right. Um, I know recently I've been getting back into fitness. Like I hate running. Like um, I, I got a survival course coming up with a, a kill from a Tiller Devent uh, Solutions. Yeah, uh, I served with a kill. Oh really? Mm -hmm. That's crazy, man. <laughs> okay, yeah, kill's cool as shit. So I got a survival course and like. 
I was like, wait, we're going to be doing like rep marches and something, something comparable, right? I've never done that shit in my life. I used to do track like sprints and stuff like that. But I was like, I got no mileage on me. So I was just like, uh, I need to start doing some distance shit, something. Cause I want to go up there and just be the dude that dies, you know, first day. Everybody's looking back like, oh, it's a team effort. I was like, I don't want to be that dude where everybody- hey, you ain't, you ain't going to make it to New America, bro. You might die. <laughs> I know that Light Fighter 365. I know, I know. Yeah. So um, I was just like, I don't want to be the one that's a liability versus a resource, you know? So um, I started running and like, it was abysmal mode. Cause you know, I was like, oh, I'm in decent shape. I can do push-ups. I can sprint 100 meters or whatever. I started doing a couple miles. I was running like nine-minute miles. Just ask walking pace, bro. <laughs> it was rough. See? It was rough. But then, like after a while, like yeah. I stopped making excuses for like, oh, it's been so long or whatever. I was like, my new goal is an eight-minute mile. Then I made that. Then I was like, my new goal is get under seven. I just made that. So it was like until I start actually setting the goals and be like, all right, fuck excuses, just do it. Mm. Then I started to actually make it done. You know, I had all these excuses like. Oh man, it's it's too humid today for a run. I can't I can't go yeah. out today. Like just start running and then I'm doing it and all excuses don't matter because I'm actually in process at that point, you know. And right. then at that point, it just becomes completing the task, you know, um, which is a different type of fortitude. So um, it, it's really important how like a lot of people don't realize how important the uh, as you said, gaining purpose uh, for yourself. Like even when you're in a fight for your life, you know. Um, you have to have drive to keep you engaged in the fight. You got to have drive to uh, persevere through. You got to have drive to stay focused. Um, if you don't have a goal and a, and, and, and a purpose to what you're doing, all that's just going to fall apart. Be that someone trying to harm you, be that, you know, when you're in a firefight or whatever the case may be, you have to have a concrete purpose and know that you are committed to it, you know? Um, I know in a lot of your stuff you see, you share from your clips and stuff you talk about, you know, the fighting hard um, when against adversity, you do a lot of stuff uh, from what I've seen where people are tired out and they still have to uh, apply themselves. Can you go a little bit over some of that stuff and like what is the rationale behind it and how are different ways you test people? Because a lot of times for myself, I run into a lot of difficulty, um, for lack of a better word, given a scenario where people can pressure test stuff. If you don't pressure test it, it means absolutely nothing. Uh, if you have a passive partner and they know what's going to happen, they're going to fall down before you even do it. You know, I have boys to do with like fake martial arts and fake Krav Maga classes. If they know the drill, they're going to comply most time. So I I always try to focus on trying to get the mental and physical response of a real unknown pressure test thing. And that's where you have the most growth. And even if you lose, quote unquote, it's in a training environment so you can learn and win later. So right. what are some steps you do with that along that in terms of pressure testing and the value you see in it? Well, uh, starting off, let's get a baseline. What I've seen a lot in the civilian world and I see it in the military world too, but it's not, it's more prominent in the civilian world, like coming to a class in a public setting where you're just, you're, you're exposing your potential vulnerabilities in front of other people, in front of strangers. That surprisingly, well, I guess it's not surprising. I just, I, I had a long career of being in front of other people and having to be part of group dynamics involved in training. So I was, I built composure, you know, and I built, I was conditioned in that in that realm or that environment. So I had forgotten how uh, unfamiliar a lot of civilians are with that type of world. You know, they hadn't been in an organization where you were, you had to be in group dynamics a lot in training and other things. So I started seeing that civilians, even police officers, because they don't have as much training in a group dynamic as, as they need. I, yeah. As, as some other people I do, but 
or even even if they do have experience in group dynamics, they really are keeping their vulnerabilities close to the chest. They uh, they don't expose themselves. They don't expose each other. You know, they're look, they're looking out for their ego and pride, which I understand that everybody deals with that, right? We all deal with that. And there's there's defense and safety mechanisms, survival mechanisms that we put into place to 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 defend or protect our egos and our and our pride. And a lot of times that that determines the culture of where you're at. So what I've seen in civilians is just coming to a class, exposing themselves to the, the unknown, which that's the definition of fear, unknown. Exposing themselves to that, that takes a lot of courage for a lot of people uh, if they're not used to it. Two is uh, they pay money and they're making themselves vulnerable. So even if it's not the group dynamic that bothers them, they're still being assessed because they have to go perform in front of somebody that whether I call it a test or not, they feel like they're being tested, right? Because I'm judging them or gauging their ability. And then three, um, having to perform on demand, which in, inherently you got to do that in a class. Like, hey, we yeah. do this this drill, A, B, or C. I need you to do it now. Do it, even if yeah, it's not a test. We all have issues with performing on demand, you know? <laughs> right. So I, I've, I've really seen that a lot of people have difficulty in that area. And so I started focusing on, I'm one of those guys that I have a good idea what in-state and what kind of training that we're going for, depending on the class. But I'm also very uh, focused on the individual audience, right? I really pay attention to what I see in people. Uh, it's how just the, in me. How they're receiving and stuff. Yeah, how they're receiving stuff, how what I see in them as far as that I can empathize or sympathize with. Uh, that I've seen in me because I've, you know, I've experienced a lot of things and I've been able to be honest with myself after a while. Anyway, it took me many years, but I'm 42. Now I'm a little honest with myself, which still I see people that are older than me that are still lacking some of that self-honesty, some of that ability to be transparent because of something in them that says, you know, that's something to be shame, shameful about. Ownership is a real hard thing. It is hard, man. And especially if you're still operating off a blueprint that says you're not living up to this blueprint. And and I say, throw away that fucking blueprint. I mean, obviously we want to be good to others and whatever your definition of good is, but we, and we want to take care of ourselves and do this, that, and the other, but some people, they, especially they get around me or, or guys with backgrounds and they think that, well, I'm not as good as you. And they automatically start putting themselves down or wrong. And like, like, well, I haven't done you and they're giving me excuses and they're giving me things like, or apologetics. Basically I'm, you know, I haven't done what you've done. And I'm like, all that shit aside, man, we don't even need to talk about any of that shit. I'm just doing what I'm doing. You're doing what you're doing. I don't give a shit about any of that. Cause it don't mean anything to me. Whatever the work is that you're doing now, that's what's important. Whatever I did before, it doesn't matter. What are you doing now? That's it. Yes, if you put in certain work or do certain things, they're going to give you certain attributes or skills in certain areas, but that's all possible for anybody. And I want people to, I want to encourage people that yeah. I don't give a shit who you are, where you come from. I know for a fact, and it took me a long time to come to the realization of this because I had to be honest with myself and accept my own limitations and my own failures to have this objective point of view. But I know for a fact that any anything possible humanly it's possible for anyone. That's yeah. it. Like some people yeah. are better athletes, some people are whatever, but no one's work hard. Yeah. yeah. That's like, another thing too that used to always piss me off when someone's like, oh, you're so talented or, you know, oh, you're so lucky or like whatever. Like you said, like sort of excuses, like 
you put the work in, you get results out. Like it's <laughs> it's pretty yeah. formulaic. It might take a little bit longer for different people, whatever, but you still put concerted effort and you get results out. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's a big thing too. Like um, I've, I've been in like martial arts, like for most of my life, like over 20 years. And um, one of the first things I learned like uh, was like removing like your ego, because like if you have your ego, you get in the way yourself. You, you, you're afraid to do things, you're, you're over critical of certain things. And really it's about growing. Um, your ego can can really be a really big liability. Um, it can set you, get you into things where you don't have to even react, um, all sorts of stuff. Um, and you gotta have, um, there's a term, I forget where I even heard it from, but it's called emotional fitness, you know? Uh, knowing like having emotions is human, but knowing when and how to use them or not to use them, you know? Uh, yeah. Being angry, being sad, uh, being empathetic, like I can empathize with you, but at a certain point you're just a threat. So I just got to take care of threat. <laughs> I'm yeah. sorry, but I, I I'll, I'll render aid afterwards. You know, yeah. I'll try not to disfigure your face more than I have to, but I got to stop the threat. Um, and and it's really funny um, because outside of certain circumstances, people with our especially with our modern society, people don't have these different types of lack of a better word, real or primal interactions where. It's not about like your age, your race, or whatever. You're just dealing with situ certain situ situations, you know. Even with nature, you know, you go out and you're dealing with stuff. Uh, you're not like you know getting dehydrated walking into the desert because uh, nature hates you. It's because you're in the desert. You didn't prepare properly, and your car broke down, yeah. and now you're getting fucked. Like, <laughs> like, like it's it was just, really, like, it's just the way I mean, things are. Yeah, yeah. So you just got to deal with it. Um, I wanted to go. Uh, I want to talk about a few of these points uh, that we talked about, like some of the props. Remind me if I forget about the black instructor thing, because I was thinking about it and I yeah. had some interesting thoughts on it. Um, I want to get into it. I want to talk about it. Yeah. All right. So let's do that first, because I have like the memory of a goldfish or Alzheimer's. I'll swim around the bowl once and forget where the fuck I'm oh, at. you like so, a Dory on uh, Finding Nemo. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But I never yeah, find yeah. it. I never find it, bro. Like, huh? what? what am I doing, bro? It's horrible, man. So, all right. So um, funny point is we were talking about uh, Greenville, South Carolina. And um, we and I, you and I were talking offline about some stuff. And one of the things you mentioned was like, uh, I forget exactly what it was. It was something like, why do black people, or like what I think about black people looking for black instructors of, or something like that along the lines, like why do they see black instructors or something like that? Um, and yeah. I was thinking about it and like, it's like, um, from my experience, like, all right, most of my clientele is black. Uh, the demographics of Philly, it's pretty diverse. Black people may be about like, 40, 50 percent, depending where we're at, but at no point are like white people in a minority, you know. Mm. Um, but a lot of people, like I know for myself, there's certain gun ranges I won't go to because I felt uncomfortable there. And granted, I'm a pretty easygoing, comfortable guy, but asking questions like, you know, what I need this gun for and other stuff, like it's weird, like questions I had, like stuff like that, where it's just like there's no statutory reason to ask these questions. So right. what policy are you acting on? And like, for me, I'm easy going and shit like rolls off my uh, back, like a duck water off a duck, duck's back, you know? Right. But certain people, depending on how they feel, they're already uncomfortable about guns. Uh, they don't want to be seen as a criminal or whatever case may be. And um, they hope to not go through that with certain people. Not saying that only happens with white people, I'm not sure, but most of the gun ranges and shops around here are owned by white people. I, I know of one place that's like in Chester, but they're owned by white people and a lot of people feel uncomfortable uh, with different demographics. So like in Philly, especially historically, every neighborhood was a different racial group. You mm -hmm. had like Italians, you had your uh, East Germans, you had your Jews, you had your Puerto Ricans. 
and it was racially divided. So people might go out those neighborhoods, but they weren't hanging out in those neighborhoods. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. Um, Philly has that kind of history where it's different now um, a bit. But once again, people kind of default back to what they're comfortable with. So for me, as an instructor, I don't bring culture into it really besides like range culture per se, which is really just safety and knowing how to present yourself. Yeah. But a lot of people um, don't have those experiences where they're interacting with different groups. Like when I was talking about with Chris, you know, a lot of people don't have those experiences going outside of their demographic groups, uh, which is kind of strange, but people don't experience enough of life. You know, they don't feel comfortable with it. Like I have no problem. Like, uh, like my family's from Louisiana. I don't have any problem hanging out with like quote unquote country folk, uh, rednecks, whatever, you know, and it's same thing anywhere. I might feel comfortable talking to someone. I might not, but I don't have an issue even just, you know, interacting no. with other people do. Um, also, you know, with the news and media, they do all this stuff where they play up these divisive roles between people where at the end oh, of the yeah. day, pretty much everybody's just trying to live and enjoy life and have some modicum, well, you know. If, of, if, you know if, if the powers that be keep us separated, it's yeah, hard to yeah, unite yeah. against them. Yeah, it's crazy. So like for me, I know um, working with different black clientele from what they've told me, they have felt uncomfortable in different environments, you know, be that a mm. gun shop, uh, be that asking questions and looking stupid, uh, be that uh, I, <laughs> I had this one friend of mine who uh, went to a, a basic firearms course with a guy, and he was a bills bondsman, and my friend was more aligned with the more of a, like a, a red, black, and green, black nationalist type of thing, so he was that type of, so they had a bit of a culture clash. And the guy was like ridiculing him and talk about his dreadlocks the whole time. So it was like lack of professional. It was like a guy sitting behind a woman and like adjusting her in a shooting posture, be like, stick your butt out. That's why I'm back here. Like, you know, it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a lack of professionalism. But at the same time, when people don't have enough um, interaction with different groups, they don't know that everybody's just people at the end of the day. You know? They kind of lock in their, their, their perspective. Yeah, yeah. So they, they lock in the blind. So like, I know for me, I, I've ran into an issue which it sounds a little bad, but um, a lot of people, like even just doing martial arts and unarmed stuff, a lot of people don't see the value of putting time, money and stuff, investing into themselves from one demographic to an another. So a lot of poor people, be them black or white, don't see the value in it because they don't see that it's needed or they'll get something out of it. You know, they'll, they'll spend 200 bucks on shoes, but they won't spend 150 for, you know, a day seminar on how not to get raped, you know? <laughs> right. Or, or whatever, you know. Um, so it's really weird. Um, myself, I definitely like, see. Uh, go ahead and finish your thought. I'm sorry. Go ahead, bro, go ahead. I definitely I, I see. Uh, you you brought up something interesting with the, uh, I guess, the ec economic diversity. You yeah, know, I I could see people like I've been that person where I was living day to day, check to check where I didn't think about anything, spending my money on anything except yeah, for what, what was needed. Yeah, yeah was, and that's the way I was raised. That's the way my family always was. There was no planning. There was no prepping for, you know, college, no prepping for, you know, savings for a rainy day. It was all like this. We got some money, do this. Now we ain't got no money. So do we get some money, <laughs> right? So so anything I, I, that- I grew up the same way, Z. Yeah, so I mean, anything that you consider frivolous nowadays, uh are what they would consider frivolous like hey why am i gonna spend money on some shit like that ain't important right now like i'll worry about that when it when i get to it yeah and that's the mindset that i always had right and the military forced me into preparation and forced me to learn how to uh plan and prepare 
for certain things because you learn the hard way. You just basically, it's like you run your head into the wall about 20 times and, and then you figure out that the wall is hard. You're like, oh, okay, the wall is hard. I believe it now. I was an untrusting person though. Like you can't tell me nothing. I don't trust people. I, I believe the wall is hard now. It's a revelation, yeah, yeah. right? It only takes about 20, 50 times running into it. So now as we get older and me, I'm a dad, I got five kids. I've been married 20 years. Like, Congratulations, man. Oh, thank you, bro. Uh, <laughs> It's hard work. Isn't it a hard job be a dad and like a, a, a husband? That stuff is crazy. Bro, I still suck at it. <laughs> um, so, so to finalize with your question, like I think people for the black uh, shooters and instructors and stuff, I think people go towards where they feel more comfortable or at home initially. But once you get past like your little swim paddles or whatever, you see that it's all just information. Yeah, it's all yeah. Just and I know certain people like, well, you got, I've seen white people, especially where I'm from, Greenville, South Carolina, there's white people that have never, they've been around white people all their life and they've never been exposed to a lot of black people. So they stuck to their own culture or their little space. And then the same thing with black people that they've never been around a lot of white people and they stuck to their own little space. Right. And I've been a part of both. I've been the only, I was raised pretty much until I was a teenager, I was the only white kid in my neighborhood. Mm. My mother married a black man. He was my stepdad, Joe, and we lived in his neighborhood. And I was the only you white kid. Of fights of it growing up? I got a lot of fights. I got beat up a lot. I got a lot of fights growing up because I spoke white. <laughs> Isn't that funny as shit? Yeah. <laughs> I'm a and black kid, but I spoke too proper. So I, I, I remember actively, and my name's Adrian, so. <laughs> That's so not black enough. <laughs> bro, yeah, I wasn't black enough, bro. And so I remember actively growing up, like changing the way I spoke so that I would stand out less. And then like, I even took on a fucking nickname for a couple of years. Cause I was like, I didn't want to keep having to fight people. Cause it got old, bro. They got so old, man. Well, it's, and you understand in a poor neighborhood, you don't take where, anything to try to fight. Where everything's competitive. Everybody's always trying to assert dominance. And it's also a neighborhood that's economically challenged, also uh, emotionally challenged because there's not a lot of solid families to teach emotional maturity. Like my family, it was broken and my mama was crazy anyway, but you don't understand how to deal with emotions. So what do you do? You err on the side of like a, an animal survival type mindset, meaning, hey, I gotta be dominant in whatever environment I'm in. And if I'm not dominant, I'm looking for ways, opportunities to, to get mine. And everybody was asserting themselves. So either we're beating each other playing basketball or, or boxing in the yard or playing football or racing in the streets at the bus stop. Like <laughs> all things I did, yo. Yeah, I, all I, the competition. You know what I mean? You're yeah. always trying to get because you didn't have the maturity, you didn't have the self-love. You had to keep pro trying to prove yourself and stay. You're always trying to prove yourself. Yeah. And that's why I think, you know, part of me, one theory of mine is that's why they talk about black people are such better athletes is because you know physiologic logic or uh physio physiology you know, aside you know extra muscles man you know we got extra late yeah, yeah yeah whatever yeah. i don't even care about it i think it's the culture i think it's the culture because they constantly push each other to be better right? well I, so there's a funny thing um when i was in high school one of the coaches said in track that uh black people got extra like let's say a white guy has 30 leg muscles black people have 34 leg muscles <laughs> that's like, what i heard too <laughs> this is this is in high school bro this is high school. And well, that's, I, a, that's the old nature versus nurture argument. You know? I know. <laughs> and then um, what's another thing? Um, the con competitive stuff is interesting. Nowadays, they don't want people to be competitive, which is crazy, too. 
it's a natural, yeah. I mean, it's a good thing. I mean, everything's about balance, you know, but at the same time, it's natural to want to see what you can and can't do. It's natural to push your limits. Like I have uh, my children and, you know, with children, they push the boundaries all the time. You can't like, oh, how dare you try to, like, it, they're seeing where they're at in the world and what they, what works, what doesn't work, what works for them, what works in different environments. Yeah. So it's all very natural. Um, well, I think uh, it's like the way America does with sports. We put it under such a microscope because this used to be, and we talked about, I thought this about this with other people too, like sports is, we're such a first world country that uh, we make sports um it's it's its own thing now and it used to be a way to keep the warrior class in shape oh, yeah, when they wasn't fighting you know what i mean so now it's just its own thing i got Go my partner uh dante he's going to be joining for okay. a little bit okay uh, yeah it, it's sure. really funny um how as we were talking about even like for like fights and stuff fighting and that type of energy is natural in every every place every other stratosphere of nature animals always test themselves they always evolve like it's natural but if you use any sort of force, you're automatically relegated to being a criminal. They associate force and that stuff with being amoral, where it's just, yeah. once again, another form of communicating. Like, if I don't speak Farsi and you do something and I break your jaw, like, oh, whatever I just did, I know I'm not going to do it again. <laughs> I need yeah. to get my jaw wired shut. I don't need to speak one word of Farsi. But whatever yeah. you do, just cause your jaw to get wired, you know? So, I mean... <laughs> that's a probably a stream example um but it's no. another form of communicating man but that was the way i was we was raised if you similar to mine like we talked about like i if if you it was almost like prison rules what i hear people i watch some of these youtube guys on prison, prison. dynamic who was i talking to there's some guy wrote like all these different books about his different studies on violence in prisons and how very complex the layers are especially like assassinations and stuff and different things they do and like how do you study but like just the dichotomy the, the the fucking environment that those people live in and how yeah. crazy man. Well, I, what i like about it is there's no bullshit and there's no bumping chest in prison like when you're real <laughs> prison it's like hey you disrespect you've already you you've you've caused a, a catastrophic problem that's got to be taken care of there's no like i'm just gonna talk to you and we're gonna talk a little shit but we ain't gonna do nothing it's like hey you made a move shit's gotta happen now that's yeah, bottom line well, like, consequences you know yeah. so I, I forget who it was but one guy was talking about how um he always likes to work out with felons and ex-cons and like we're going to gyms and stuff because they have amazing gym etiquette no one's going to come you know take your weights and throw something at like they're going to be very polite uh because uh, they know uh, there's consequences there's extreme consequences <laughs> to that shit <laughs> When you go to your, your natural, you know, your, uh, your gold gym, people up there showing off, uh, taking extra weights that they're not using, just all sorts of stuff for, uh, that's why I don't go to gyms. It's like the ultimate extreme on the other side of the internet culture now. It's like everybody in the internet culture, Dante, how you doing, man? I'm Z. How are you? Nice to meet you, bro. As well. We, we, talk, we all over the place. Uh, <laughs> Arnold's got me all over the place. <laughs> but so Dante, a, Dante's well versed in my craziness, bro. He knows. <laughs> <laughs> So it's, it's cool because the prison, like, and I don't know nothing about hard prison. I've been to county jail and stuff, but hard prison. You watch those guys on the YouTube that they got, they're doing pretty good on YouTube telling those stories about hard prison in California. What's that white dude? He's got all the tattoos. He's he's bulky. I don't remember his name, but he's got like, huh? You're going to have to tell me later. I'll check him out. Cause it's, yeah, it's, he's got it's hundreds of thousands like, of followers. Yeah, but it's an amazing study in like human interaction in different types of society, man. Cause that's one, like when I worked as a teacher, that was one of the biggest things that stood out to me. Young people nowadays didn't understand at all causality. This, you do this and this happens. 
Yeah. And then, like, you had, like, the mom crying, like, how could this happen? Like, well, what the? <laughs> when he did this, and then this followed, and that, what do you mean? Yeah. Like, it's like what do you expect? And nowadays, it's natural to, for people to say, to, to posture. Like, oh, yeah. the rap culture is all a bunch of talking and until somebody, you know, whatever. Yeah. And then uh, the culture on the internet, trolling, people just talking, talking, talking. It's like, hey, man, well, why I'm, would you say I'm something to somebody? Three, Maybe three words out your mouth before it was like, sh- yeah. Yeah, it's like, yeah. oh, are we fighting or not? Like, I seen, <laughs> I just said, I posted a video on my story. It was about, uh, what's his name? Martellus Bennett, the tight end. He was playing for Chicago. And he was in practice, and one of the cornerbacks hit him upside the head and pulled him by his helmet. And Martellus got up and slammed him on the ground and started fighting him. And he was like, look, you almost broke my neck. You could have broke my neck. So, And then uh, he said, uh, who was the other receiver? One of the other receivers, the all-star receiver, he said he was saying, man, what are you doing? You can hurt him too. And he's he's like, are, wait, are we talking or are we fighting? Which one? I mean, like, if you, if you shut the hell up, <laughs> we, started, we need to fight. actions that were going to go towards a fight, so I, I don't know. Yeah, um, I kind of like it. I think we'd be a better society if we just went down that path and been like, hey, if you can't back up what the hell you're saying, maybe you shouldn't say it. Maybe you shouldn't risk that. You know maybe, what I mean? Well, if we understood that, things would be a lot more simple. Yeah. And, and simple. maybe maybe there wouldn't be murders and stuff. It'd just be getting somebody getting smacked in the mouth and they're like, they learn real quick that, hey, you probably don't want to go this route. And well, now you'll shut the hell up. Like, that's why one of the things I always stood up to was like bullies and racists really bad because like, all those type of things with bullies and races or whatever, they keep uh, escalating because they don't re- reach certain consequences. So, like, I would go out of my way to be like, hey, this is happening because, like, I would do, like, the whole more of the story type shit. Like, this is happening because you did this and did this, and this is actually me helping you out because now you're going to get an educational beatdown as opposed to someone stabbing you, running you over, lighting your house on fire. <laughs> like, this is helping you out bro yeah humans it's the same story it's the same story for all humans as a baby if you if a baby figures out that when they cry you give them what they want they're gonna do that the rest of their life i'm crying and whining (laughs) making a fuss till i get what i want because i understand that's what happens if you teach them that hey you can cry and whine until you do shit right and approach me properly with respect right you ain't getting shit so So you teach them that at a young age you got to learn that as an adult some people don't know that as an adult like you Whatever act a certain way, this is what happens. Talking about like law enforcement, not even law enforcement, running in a, a, a bigger dog than you. If you stay and do certain things, then the dog's going to bite you. So like if you're used to like whining and acting up or throwing a fit or doing loud outbursts and someone says, hey, hey, this is a command I'm giving you. And you're like, well, fuck you. did it. Then you get slammed on the ground and now you got a broken collarbone. Like, well, you said fuck me and we were escalating. So I escalated for you. Like, I, I right. <laughs> I tell people all the time when I was working at like uh, bars and clubs and stuff I said there are steps to everything you know what I mean there, there's steps one through five you know what I mean I didn't just you didn't say something to me and then I pulled out my baton and knocked you across your head no <laughs> took steps and kept asking you know what I because I've talked to some people they said uh, that baton was pretty <laughs> easy I, I don't know yeah no but I try to explain to you man you, you, kept, you kept taking steps you kept doing things that led to me escalating and having right. no choice but to now knock you upside your head. You know what I mean? Right. Um, I always give people the opportunity to walk away. I always give people the, try to, the opportunity to try to talk things out. And I'm like, you know, I'm a man, so I feel like we should be able to talk man to man. But if you want to, you know, go here and put your hands up, then I can go there with you. You know yeah. what I mean? But well, I, I, I think too many people think they can do that and just intimidate you. I call it, 
I call it pissing contest. You know, they're trying oh, to yeah, see, yeah, yeah. and then they go see. I let me save some face, and I backed you down, and I never had to do anything, and I saved some face. Like, but you get the wrong. If I don't know you, and you jump into somebody's face, and you move aggressively you, you towards them, how do you know? The, uh, the professional fighter and a dude was like drunk in a standing near a bar. And he jumped at oh, the dude yeah. and he two pieces of I was like, he jumped at him. What do you mean? <laughs> like, so like at the same time, like knowing like quote unquote, you know, damage you could do to someone, like I might not do that. But at the same point, if I don't react and he stabs me, because I'm thinking like, oh, I'm big and strong, so I don't need to react. Now I'm bleeding out and I'm dead. Like, okay. So that I mean, it's natural. Like, you don't see a fucking deer walking along and it hears a noise, like, wait, that's probably Paul. Like it runs and says, fuck, I don't know what the fuck that is. I'm staying alive. And then later mm. in a second, you don't let somebody just jump at you. You stay there. I'm not afraid of you jumping at me. Like, no, fuck that shit. Like, it's a bro, hostile If I don't know movement. you, what do you, how you know what they're going to do? <laughs> it's a hostile movement, bro. I got I to gotta deal with it. That's um, a great one. You need to look on the internet, man. Cause this is, I don't, you might know these guys, but they're big in the grappling world. The Nogi Jiu Jitsu, Gordon Ryan, he's considered the best pound for pound. And Andre Galvo, he's from Brazil. And they both got a kind of a rivalry on the internet, right? So they talk shit. But Gordon Ryan, he states facts. I did this, this, and this, and I'm trying to meet you in a match, and you're not doing it for whatever reason. <laughs> well, well, they came together at a big event, and they they crossed each other's path, like in the lobby or something, and they're jawing at each other, and they're talking shit, whatever. And then Andre Galvo comes up and pushes Gordon Ryan and then continues to come forward like he's just talking shit to him, and Gordon Ryan just smacked the shit. Ah! Smacking that, 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 that call, call making sense. Yeah. And, and, and Andre Galvo didn't do anything. He was like, because he was thinking that they were just going to do this posturing bullshit. And he came at him. He's like, and, Are you talking about the one where they're in that, uh, the bare knuckle fighting ring and the dude got hit? No, no, no. This, this was uh, another, one. another one where, you know, he, the bare it was all over the internet for the grappling world anyway. I pay attention to all that. But he slapped the shit out of him. And he ended up slapping him twice. And Andre <laughs> didn't do anything. He's like, look, your bitch ass came up to me, pushed me. And came in my face, and you got smacked for it. And obviously, you didn't want to do anything because I smacked you, and you just but I didn't get backed just off. Yeah. I was laughing because there's um, how much more time you got, Z? I got plenty, man. All right, sweet. So there's this really funny video clip of uh, have you ever watched the bare knuckle uh, fighting championship? Yeah, yeah. So this one guy came in talking real heavy and aggressive to this guy who just finished a match and was oh. literally. Yeah, he's in his face. H he's Hector Lombard in his next match was going to come up, and he he got up in his face real quick. He just hooked him. Yeah. Boom. <laughs> but it, it shut him up, though, didn't it? Like, he's like, hey, I think he was telling him, you know, uh, with his hands, he was telling him, this ain't wrestling, brother. We ain't going to no script right now. Like, you come up in my face like that. I laugh so fucking hard. But that's what happens when you get in people's face talking aggressive. You can't invade someone's personal space and think it's going to stay in a conversation. It's crazy. Um, all right, close, so what are you saying, Dante? I said you're too close. You're a narrow threat. Yeah, pretty much. Um, no. And I just don't like the, the disrespect. You know, sometimes you get hit for disrespect, too. So, all right, we got these questions, Z, uh, like these different prompts. I want to go over a few of them. Answer as you will uh, for them. Um, why? You kind of answered it earlier. Um, but why do you think it's important for people to fight for, lack of a better word, human rights? And um, being their own capable citizen, as you call it, what what do you think is the value of that? Why do you why do you think that's very important? Well, we mentioned earlier talking about blueprints and where people come from and where that kind of establishes how they feel about themselves and what they how they underestimate their own potential because of whatever background they have, right? Because you feel like you ain't worth nothing. 
So everything I do is from a philosophical standpoint, right? I want you to be better in general. I don't care if you're better at fighting, shooting or whatever, as long as you love yourself and you understand that you can be good at things if you just put in the work like me and you talked about. So I think there's a freedom in knowing that you can rely on yourself, like truthfully rely on yourself, being honest with yourself. So meaning, I don't mean you got to be the biggest badass ninja in the world. I'm just saying, be honest and know where your faults are, know where your vulnerabilities are, know where your strengths are and keep uh, retain your strengths and build up your vulnerabilities, address the vulnerabilities as you, as you can. Right. Because we all got different paths. You got different time than me. You got different money than me, whatever, address it. Don't avoid it because it's uncomfortable. I have a strong belief that the obstacle is the way, right? So almost a stoic philosophy that I've kind of adapted into my life. Stoicism at all? Yeah. I, I get into it. I'm not crazy in it, but I understand. I really believe in the, it's very reasonable and logical to me. Like, embrace there's going to be suffering in life so learn how to control you and your reaction to it and understand that you're going to take things for granted unless you suffer the bible even says hey why do you think you fast it ain't just about a religious thing it's about hey let's remember suffering so you don't take for granted these things in your life let's remember what that feels like because the only way to appreciate things is to understand the other side of those things not having those things right and some of us do it better than others but to me, that's that's all a gym is, a gym, what you're doing with, with a kill. We're going to suffer a little bit so I can be reminded that life is great. You know, yeah. that puts things in perspective. Sometimes, you know, people want to they want all the accommodations to feel good. Well, go suffer a little bit and then see how much water is good to you. See how much <laughs> sleep is good to you. You know what I mean? See how much, I mean, that's all you need right there. Just put things in perspective, man. You got it in your power. So I think. The more we preach to people that, hey, you could do it, don't matter what my background, don't matter this, that, or the other, like, you could be self-reliant. We're, take responsibility for what the fuck you do or what you don't do, right? So that's it. That's you. And be okay with that. Yeah. And if, you, if you're not okay with it, don't start pointing fingers. Don't start blaming. Just what have you done about it? I ain't worried about what I can't control. Let's worry about what I can't control. Yeah. What can I control? I can't control neither one of y'all. I can't control what goes on outside of my house. I can't even control the people in my house. I can control my reaction to it. I can control <laughs> what I do. Okay. Bottom line. So that's what I think. I think it's to enjoy life and to really get the most out of life. You have to be a little bit self-reliant and, and understand what you can control and what you can't control. So that's my biggest uh, foundation for what I want to see in a capable citizen. Okay. All right. That, that's beautiful, man. Uh, funny thing is, uh, Going along with that, I have uh, the slogan, some success from within. And that's like, you know, taking ownership of what you can do, taking ownership of what you can't do, and um, just working through stuff, you know? Um, yeah. It's funny how, like, at the end, sort of like what we were talking about before, too, about different peoples from different demographics and cultures and stuff of that background. At the end, it's all the same relatively, you know? I mean, being a good I mean, person, we're all wired the same. We all face yeah. the same type problems internally as a human, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It presents differently, obviously, different home situations, different cultures, whatever. But we face the same problems, the ego, the pride, the hurt, the love, the loss, the missing of love. And as cliche as it sounds, like you say success from within, 
it sounds uh, like what people say is if you don't know how to take care of yourself, how are you going to take care of anybody? If you don't know how to love yourself, how are you going to love anybody else? I was married before I knew how to love myself. So my wife had to suffer through me learning that shit. So she suffered, thank God, and stick with me. <laughs> but I'm freaking, she went through a lot of bullshit because I didn't even know how to love myself. Well, how in the hell? I don't mean, I, just because people say I'm a man, I'm standing in the gap and I'm going to be here for my kids and I'm, but yeah. if you're just going to treat them bad, but if you don't know how what love is, if you don't know how to treat, if you don't even love yourself, what the fuck are you going to do for somebody else? Yeah. You ain't going to, and it ain't in a human to love somebody else more than your own self. It's yeah. instinctive. You love you or you don't love you. So whatever you feel, you're going to project that out. Yeah. And I love myself a lot more now. So I could, I got a lot more love for somebody else, man. Yeah. And people don't understand that. No, it's true, man. It's true. Um, that goes back to the thing now, I'll tell you, is where you have like young people, you know, shooting people and killing people for no reason. And that's often tied to that they, what we were talking about earlier, broken homes and stuff and culture growing up, they don't have love for themselves. They don't value themselves. So they don't value themselves. They can't value anyone else. It's just that simple. Um, well, when you get hurt all the time, it's like the defense mechanism. If everybody has let you down as a kid, you start to try to make yourself numb. So you yes. do like I did as a kid and tell yourself you ain't got no feelings and it's bullshit. And you can do that for so long, but you still just human. It don't matter what you tell yourself. Yeah. It's just, it's just a, it's a game until you realize that, Hey, you do have feelings and you might, you might as well get used to them. Cause you can tell yourself <laughs> you ain't got no feelings and that I'm a badass and I'll just kill you and not think twice about it, but you storing it. It's, it's getting downloaded in your system. And oh yeah, It's going to manifest somewhere sooner or later, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, uh, what are uh, you mentioned in the beginning some of this different stuff that you do, but how can people reach out and uh, support you for, you know, the Instructor Z capable citizen stuff? Um, are there other things uh, outside of that that I mentioned that, you know, people can reach out for like trainings and other stuff? Like, what are some things you're offering now and how do people uh, reach out to you so they can, you know, partake so, in the Yeah, I'm on Instagram uh, and Facebook and all that stuff, Instructor Z, Z E E. Uh, and then I got the website, instructorz.com. I don't need any support, man. I just want, like we're doing right now, um, professional to professional. Like I want to support each other. Whoever's got a good message, we reach out, we help each other. The The deal is not just to promote me. It's to promote others that are helping uh, build our community, build our capable citizens. You know what I'm saying? So it ain't just me that's got the answers. I ain't got no more different, no answers than anybody else, right? I'm, I'm still on the journey, just like you yeah. are. I might be a page or two ahead of some of these guys that I'm teaching, but they can reach out to me. Got, they got questions. I always put it on, on social media. Hey, I'll do my best to answer questions. If you got random questions, of course, if you start aggravating the hell out of me and want me to tell you every step of, of your life, you know, <laughs> you got to pay me for that. You know what I mean? I'm not a life coach. <laughs> Uh, now, one of the funny things that I, I got two questions I want to ask you. Um, so I grew up in an environment where there was a lot of violence. Uh, I've seen dead bodies before I was in double digits and stuff like that. I've seen shootings. I had people try to stab me. And this is all before, you know, I was a, a young man even, you know. Um, and I know that gave me a certain perspective on how to deal with things in terms of, for lack of a better word, being conditioned around violence. And being able to, when needed, ratchet up to a certain level of violence, you know? Um, and I know when I've been doing instruction with some people, they have no reference point. It's very hard for them to flip that switch and be able to do things. So I was talking to one of my friends. Um, are you familiar with a dude named uh, Jim Smokey West? No, I don't think so. 
right, I'll see some of his information earlier. But anyway, he's supposed to be, he's uh, has a long military career. And he's basically like in South America doing the Contra stuff before there was formalized special operations and stuff. So mm. he was there like in the early 70s doing all that stuff as it's forming up. And he's done all sorts of crazy stuff. But anyway, I posed this question to him and I said, do you think to be able to impact uh, defensively a certain level of violence, you have to be exposed to violence? Do you think you need, like, do you think you could just be trained in it? Or do you think you have to like live in it? Sort of like even, even professionally per se. What do you I, think? Well, that's definitely a, a, question, a tough right? question. It's yeah, a, I mean, it's, question, it's a great right? question. And I, you know, being that I'm not an expert on on psychology and, and all that, I just got my little bit of shit house freaking information that I've gathered along the way. I think I've thought about that a lot because in my experience, I've got a similar background to you, Arnold. And I definitely feel like it benefited me for the environment that I was in because you learn to be a little tougher. You learn to have the survival mindset. And it's just like animals, like we talked about. Like animals need to know that, hey, get caught slipping and you you did. Like they need to know that as at a young as a cub or whatever they are, right? And unfortunately, as a human, we learn that sometimes. And you're like, hey, get caught slipping, or you be in the wrong place, you don't get out of the house when this is going on, then you know, shit's over for you or potentially. So I think it's good to have that, but I think to some degree, I think it, it takes away more than it adds for some kids because here's my experience with it. It's really at a cost. Well, I posted some things too. Like I see there was, I see on the internet, you know, people acting wild in restaurants, like freaking just throwing a fit because there was some disrespect or some words and they just start acting wild. And I think if you get to a certain adult age and you haven't learned to deal with that stuff and you're still on that same bullshit, it's going to cause more problems in your life. And I think when you come from something like that, almost a traumatic, what people would call traumatic. I think people you overuse the word trauma nowadays. It's just life. It's just life experiences, yeah. yeah. Stuff happens in life. I mean, like yeah. You're gonna yeah. get bullied everywhere somewhere. Even as your yeah. boss be like, you're staying late today. Like, oh fuck. <laughs> well, the problem is, I think, well, that leads me to a new a new direction is like no matter what the trauma you experience, how do you process it? Who is helping you figure that shit out yeah. and use it in a good way? You still got to deal, you know, you still, you still got to deal with it. So if I'm like, if I'm left like myself, where I was like a latchkey kid, mama didn't really help none. And I, and I experienced these traumas, but then I never just dealt with them. And I just figured out my own way to do it, which was the fucking just, Hey, shut it down. I ain't got no feelings. I'm just going to do what I want. And I'll, you nobody tells me what to do. I'm hard hitting now because whatever i can't trust people that's going to cause a long life of pain and suffering because you're learning everything the hard damn way yeah so that caused me so many mistakes in my life because i was still on that bullshit like i'm you know i'm just hard-headed and i can't trust you and it's the way i think and nobody taught me anything different if somebody would have came along and get and that i trusted and earned my trust and said hey you seen this body or you see you suffered this beating or you seen the mama do this or you was fucking abused this way but this is how we're going to deal with it. And things happen. It's okay to have your feelings. Let's talk about it. Let's do this. You're still a good person. And they would have, you know, give me some input that was positive along with that bullshit that I was going through. It would have been greater. I think the problem is being exposed to violence or trauma or whatever we want to call it. And then not having a, 
a healthy way of dealing with it or somebody yeah. giving some countering that with some other shit, some good shit. They just they stay in an immature animal state. It, it creates bad adults. It creates yeah. bad adults, which turns into a cycle of bad parents or no parents. And then then what do you, what happens again? That same kid is figuring things out on their own and they're just going to do whatever they think is right. And they're hard headed and same old cycle. And that's where we are in America right now. You know, I mean, it's just I think it's a lot of that. Luckily, I went to that military. Like I told you, I knew that I couldn't do it on my own. And I had a moment of clarity and said, Z, you can't do shit on your own. You've been trying to do that. And you're just a bitch. So go somewhere where they force you to do something. And I still did awful until I got some kind of realization of and a different perspective. Right. But I think as far as the violence does, I do suffer or struggle with flipping that switch of like, I have a lot of emotions in me that I've dealt with. And I, and you get close to those when you get in simulated violence, when we're training in, in a gym, when I used to fight, that's what I liked. It was like a, a release of that huge emotion in me that I didn't know how to control very well. So it was good in that aspect. And, but it also would get me in trouble just because I was more prone to violence was also, also means that I was more emotional during the violence and I wasn't being very objective and logical, which that that's better when you're in violence situations because then i can use strategy and tactics and i can win you know you see it in the even the highest levels like the ufc you'll see guys that still fight with a lot of emotion and then you'll see the guys that are fighting with a lot of intellect the ones with emotion they're feeding something else not just they're not just doing it for the sport reasons to objectively win they're feeding something in them that they need and sometimes it's got good results but it really comes down to athleticism and, and all that other shit and who who got the one punch that the other guy didn't get but usually the guys that are fighting off emotion they get to a certain point and they plateau they don't never go further you get a guy like george st pierre i love george st pierre yo. or khabib Nurmagomedov, who yeah. is very stoic very this this is a fight i do a b and c i get this result mm. Ca causality like you said and they're not in there like yeah they get emotions like for excitement and all that but it's not about hey i'm gonna show him i'm a man this is me proving that i'm a freaking <laughs> i'm a hunter i'm gonna show his ass that i'm better than him it ain't about that it's about objectively i do this this and this and it gets this this and this that's it and the results come when the work is done not because i was i felt because you see people all the time i'm doing i'm in this fight for my kids my kid did this and i'm i'm here to win that ain't got nothing to do with you winning the fight bro that's great <laughs> if that helps you train we hear a lot dante can attest to this all the time people in philly say along these lines i ain't no bitch like oh, what, what does that mean about your your, your your brain rattling around in your skull because you, you didn't see the uppercut you don't have to be a bitch <laughs> I don't know. I want to ask you this question, Z. Have you ever seen a man or woman? Have you ever seen someone win a fight when he went somewhere? But like, oh, somebody did this to my bo boyfriend or girlfriend. Like, I'm here to fuck you up. I've never seen anyone win that fight. Nah, right. <laughs> I, I, it's not very successful. <laughs> what you say about no, my girl? Always a bad situation. <laughs> they start taking this shit off, getting ready to go right to sleep. What you say? Was just, oh, was just like in high school. I was the same way in high school. You know, you push it. Hey, we just bumping chest until somebody does something. And it's like, hopefully you back down. <laughs> hopefully, because I'm not about that smoke, really. I'm just, I ain't going to back down to you back down. I like the reverend hands. Like you, you, you do a little sermon. Like I, I really, <laughs> oh, shit, that's funny as hell. Um, all right, let's get a couple more of these prompts real quick. Um, 
All right, so uh, you talked about why you got into instructing for civilian stuff. Wh what do you feel yourself, or what value do you feel? It, it might be a little redundant, but what value do you feel out of instructing? Because I know for me, when I'm helping people, I'm happy because uh, my old martial arts teacher used to say, like, for lack of a better word, warriors are the best like humanity has to offer because they become better themselves so they can be better for others around them. Mm. Um, and I like that when I'm able to help people so that they feel empowered, like you said, they have some more uh, autonomy and then they go out and they spread that shit usually, you know, and they become yeah. better husbands, wives, sisters, brothers, whatever. What do you get out of it as being someone who helps facilitate that? How well, do you I'm feel glad, about it? What have you seen? I'm glad you asked it that way and posed that question that way because I tell everybody, every relationship is an exchange. There's no one way. There's no, I'm just not, I'm just selfless and I just do it for you. <laughs> Either I feel the virtue or I get something out of doing something good for somebody. I mean, it's always an exchange, personal or business. There's got to be an exchange. And being a teacher, you know, I get a bigger cause. That thing that makes me, I think every person wants to be as part of something bigger because in and of ourselves, we, even if you love yourself, in and of yourself is not enough. It's like, hey, I'm here. I'm suffering through life doing this and ups and downs. Why? So you need a bigger cause. And my bigger cause is from the heart. I want people to know that you're worthy no matter what your walk of life is. You're still worthy. You're as worthy as I am. You're just as valuable as me. I don't care what you are, what you girl, boy, black, white, poor, rich. Like you're just as worthy as me. And I get out of me communicating that message and and you know what the biggest thing in the past couple of years me being transparent with people and seeing them they hold me on this pedestal because of my background and whatever they think of me because of bullshit that's superficial they hold me here and then i tell them about how shitty i am right that i did this and i was this and this and this and, and i love to see them soaking in the contradiction Right. <laughs> and it's funny how much of a contradiction humans are, man. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I try to tell you, look, I'm, I'm this way and I am a shithead. And, you know, I try not to get too much into my personal life, but I'll let you know that I, I was a criminal. I didn't care nothing about police. I didn't care nothing about soldiers. The day I went to join the military is the day I thought about it. There wasn't no other day before that. It wasn't Captain America freaking dream where my dad and grandpa was soldiers. It was just like, I needed to get the fuck out of here. I needed a paycheck. It was all about me. And I tell them, I joined the service for me, not to protect my country or to, <laughs> to help you. Like, yeah, I mean, I, you know, whatever people want to say, I mean, it was still a risk, I guess, but I was doing it for me. I needed it as much as anybody. So I like to show them that, hey, man, I, I'm, I'll try to be transparent and say, hey, look, this was me. But that all that shit aside, I can still become a good husband, a good father. Right. And a good all around human being, good neighbor, a uh, good uh, partner in the network that we have. Right. I can be good at that because I worked at it and I've seen the consequences of me being a shithead and I didn't it didn't feel good. And I came to terms with those feelings and I came to terms with the love that I didn't have for myself. Right. So that's the greatest thing I get out of it, just seeing people. Hopefully they see they get a glimpse of, hey, a shithead anybody from any walk of life even people that don't fit the mold that we think would be where z is they can still be there right you can still do this or that right if you just see yourself that way and realize that nobody's better than you and you're not better than anybody else that's the bottom line yeah 
I know it sounds cliche. That's the Tony Robbins shit, but it's the truth. Yeah, it goes back to that whole thing about you'll you'll never be greater than your own self-image. And if you think you can or you think you can't, you're right in both instances, you know? Um, That's the theme throughout. Yeah, that's one thing I work with a lot where I try to instill, not like, for lack of a better word, create a purpose, but have my own children. Because, you know, being a parent is such a crazy dynamic thing. But helping them be the best versions of themselves and having, you know, even if it's playing, you know, having a purpose when they're playing, like, you know, enjoying going through stuff and like uh, applying themselves, you know, uh, hoping to be better day by day. Um, I had this funny story. So I have a 11 going 12 year old and a seven going eight year old. Right. So the eight year old is probably like 70 pounds of pure muscle. Uh, they say he's overweight every time when he goes to the doctors. Is that pension? Please show me where some fat is. <laughs> um, but he's super cool and he's super self-driven, but he's emotionally raw. So he could be bullied, he could be provoked, all that stuff. So he's so we've been working on that. And his older brother's got very high uh interpersonal communication skills. Like he knows how to play the room, he knows how to talk. Yeah. Like yeah, he's charming, huh? Yeah, and he's yeah. naturally athletic too. So he moves very well and he's deaf and shit. So they're sparring and his brother's lighting them up, out fighting and shit, you know, like piecing them up. And his little brother's getting worked up. And uh, I see he start going downhill. So I call a little time. I pull him aside and say, hey, hey, aside. Just grabbing and holding him. <laughs> so I tell him to Light his ear. Yo, bro, basically. So he's just like, you know, kiss. And he, he cuts him off and he starts manhandling his brother. He's like twice his size. And it's the funniest fucking thing ever. I give him ice cream the whole week, bro. I don't care about cavities. I don't care about all your baby teeth rotting out. You, you put him in the and you and you accomplished. And his brother was a little more pensive next time about all that trash talking when they were sparring. But he manhandled the shit out of him. Um, my brother came to visit and um, I got a heavy bag in the basement and he was hitting on it. And he's like, who's hitting on the bag downstairs? I was like, it's, it's your seven-year-old nephew. Like, is him like, because <laughs> like, like, I so I realized like I gotta get this little black kid squared away because when he becomes a young black man, if he's still that strong and emotionally raw, he's gonna have a hard time. So I was like, I need you to be composed. So that's gonna rain him in, bro. Don't be hurting nobody. Yeah, bring, <laughs> bring it in, bro. I need you to start working <laughs> the right now, bro. But like, he was a funny kid. Like he used to get. He's the only child I ever seen. He used to get so worked up when he was a toddler. And he would get so angry, fuming, hyperventilate, pass out, bro. I was like, yo, we got to fix this. Yo, right? See, it's crazy fuck. But he's so emotionally raw that, like, he, same way, he'll run out and, like, fight a dog. He'll run out, like, he, he'll, he'll squirt with grown men. Like, I remember one, he was learning how to fight, I mean, how to walk. This grown man, one of my friends, 6'6", 320, like a big motherfucking dude. He tried to scare him while he's, like, still learning how to walk. And my son's... Trying to stable himself with his little toddler legs, it just looked at him. I was like, "Yo, you're not up to his knee. Like, what are you doing?" Like, <laughs> so I, I'm trying to get him square. But it's so funny because everybody, as you know, has their own personality and stuff like that. You know, with your own children, and I'm just trying to support him because at the same time, he'll try to like look at me. Like one time, um, this is a funny fucking story. So like, I was acting. He was doing something disrespectful. And I was chasing. I was like, I, you know, start going through the dad stance. Like, oh, I'm on a beach. You whatever. Like, watch out. So he starts running. He's like four years old. And he raises his little fist and said, I'm going to get you someday. And I felt, <laughs> Z, I felt out laughing, bro. I get his, <laughs> like, I, I had Carnac around laughing from it. Because he's like, I'm going to get you someday. <laughs> and I'm like, it's fucking hilarious. Because I was like, 
He will be that motherfucker that shows up Sunday. Like, I'm sitting by a fire with a blanket on my legs, you know? And I see, like, a silhouette, and then, I know! <laughs> you know Someday you has come. finally come. What do you say, Dante? Someday has finally come. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I'm here for you. They're going to stand above you like, remember when I told you that one time? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> His pec muscles at me. <laughs> I mean, like, you don't usually come see me, son. What, what are you doing here? And I'm like, oh, shit. Then I got to produce my pistol from underneath the blanket. On like, my oh, you thought, you thought I was bullshitting, there? <laughs> <laughs> man. Yeah, I'm sure you got stories with your daughters, man. My uh, children are crazy. All right, let me wait. Let me get back to this podcast, goddammit. Uh, all right, back to the podcast. Uh, all right, so let's get ready to conclude a little bit. I got like two more questions. Hey, don't forget, ask. we got a book we got to go, we got to talk about. Yeah, we got to talk about a book. And then, um, let me see, climate. How are things uh, doing in your area? Where are you at? Uh, you're in Tennessee, right? Yeah, Clarksville, Tennessee. We like an hour northwest how, of Nashville. How are politics, people, policing? How's things going in general in Clarksville? How is it feeling? Well, Clarksville is not. It's great here, man. I work with the TAC team here, the local police department, and we've got a good mayor as far as what the, the government workers and the local workers say, you know, working okay. for them. So uh, the police chief is, is good from what they tell me. You know, I don't work directly under those guys. But uh, and then as far as any of the, the outrage going on across the nation back in the day, like Clarksville didn't really experience anything, you know, a few things here and there, but nothing to speak Nothing about N Nashville was they had a little something going on but it wasn't that big there's a lot more political in Nashville okay. right that's the capital and uh and it's a, it's a pretty pretty large city big big tourist industry so they got a bunch of shit down there but here wasn't feeling it so bad man Clarksville's nice and it's not it used to be Clarksville's right on the outside of Fort Campbell military base and Fort Campbell's okay. technically in Kentucky but it's right on the border Okay. So I'm on the I'm I'm still like 15 minutes from post from the army base where I retired out of. So it's technically like a military town, but it's way bigger than a military town because we've got Google here and we've got all these factories and it's like a logistical gateway to the the southeast and northwest. Okay. So there's the community is a lot bigger than just military people nowadays. So it's very diverse here. Like uh, one thing that I was interested in, all my kids, my three youngest kids that still live at home. They're 13 is my son. He's my only son. And then my 15 and 16 year old, they don't even like when I was in high school, even being the only white kid, everybody, when you described a person, you said the black kid or the white kid. It's just a descriptor. People get angry yeah. about this. Well, yeah, they got angry about it. But what I noticed, and I don't know if it's them trying to, that's the culture now, or they just, they're just more okay with each other nowadays at, at the high school, uh, which I would say is majority black the high school they go to is right up the road. Um, my kids never describe anybody that way, which is strange to me, but it's because they've been, because they've been in this military town so long, like everybody's so diverse, man. It's like every creed and color. There's a lot of Koreans here because people from Fort Campbell used to go to Korea and come back. So that people get married, you know, so there's a lot of Korean influence, uh, black, white, Hispanic, just a military town in general. And it's a big base. So there's like so many different, backgrounds northern northern background southern dante didn't you grow up the same way like you just described people like oh he's tall he's fat he's ugly like you know right. <laughs> he, got he got lazy you know, eyes how you describe people, people right it was you know uh, right yeah man you know it was, i don't know it was it was normal for us growing up because like you said you know it was just i needed you to know who i was talking about so i'll tell you oh no you know the tall fat ugly boy you, you knew who it was you know what i mean <laughs> right, so it was, 
The one, the one with the lazy eye? Right, you know what I mean? <laughs> or, or, you know, the only white kid in the school. You know, you know, white boys. <laughs> yeah, you just trying to be descriptive. <laughs> yeah, I like you being prejudiced. Yeah, right. I mean, it's a descriptor. Like, it's, it, it is what it is. Like, you can say it, you definitely say it maliciously, but you're just saying it along with their name. It's just a descriptor. Um, I mean, when I was in the neighborhood, I was, uh, when everybody said the white boy, everybody knew who they was talking about because there's only one white boy in the <laughs> neighborhood. Like, white meat was his yeah, nickname. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, all right, so what is, um? I want to ask, for people, I run into a lot of times where people are like, oh, why do you need guns or why do you need to train? Like, I'm not a professional fighter. I've never sought to be a professional fighter. And I, I run into a lot of people where they say that's unnecessary. Like, I laugh. One of the people I laugh at the most, which might kind of sound bad, I laugh at CrossFitters all the time. I say, you're doing all this stuff where you can, like, legit be an amazing combat athlete, but you're doing no combat. Why the fuck? <laughs> this dude combatives too, and then you can be fit, like, like, What's that not? show, uh, Eastbound and Down? He's like, I ain't trying to be the best at exercising. <laughs> I mean, you being able to do like a, a hundred pull-ups in like 10 minutes means nothing to someone uppercut you. Like, like, <laughs> well, to me, it's the, it's, the, it's the new, it's like another branch of bodybuilding, really. It's yeah. like, I just want, people want to, you know, set themselves apart somehow. And it's really just a superficial way of doing it because it really doesn't mean anything. I'm, I'm sure some CrossFit is going to get really angry at me now and say I'm not, I'm not tough enough. I know I'm not tough enough. I'm just talking about combatives. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> hey, man. I, 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 I've run into with uh, like CrossFitters and everything is just the whole, you know, uh, the bigger I am or the more toned I am or whatever, the less people or the less likely people are, you know, to uh, mess with me. So it's it's really a, uh, a reliance thing, you know, on on the way that they look at, you know what I mean? Just being built and everything. They feel like, um, I don't have to worry about how to fight or have to worry about the competitors because people aren't going to mess with me because I'm big. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, that, that works until it don't. (laughs) (laughs) And that'll work in a lot of situations, but like if somebody, you know, we talk about like, uh, Arnold's going to be doing the end of the world, going to new America in new America. People are gonna try you if they need something. <laughs> I need something. Like I gotta get it. You, you know what I used to call them Z back in the day? I used to call them uh, showcase muscles. They yeah. look real good. They can't do a goddamn thing. No. You don't mean nothing. <laughs> get you, yeah, people will give you. You know they'll. You know that's why they pay everybody that buy it gets bouncers and they get bodyguards. Oh, yeah. They want the biggest people. The big useless bouncers, bro. Oh, I hate that shit. I used to never get work for like arm security stuff because like, oh, you're too small. I'm six foot, 200 pounds. I know how to move and stuff like that. Like, oh, no, no, you're not big. You got to look big. You got to look mean and big, bro. It was like Arnold to tell you, like, even when um, I got in a contract at, a, at an establishment doing security and things like that, and, um, you know, so I was like, I'll put a team together. Uh, the biggest guy I had was Adrian. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's just because he was the tallest. Like, but, and, and I even told, uh, I even told the owner and everything, because they, you know, was kind of like start to question right now, you know, the last, <laughs> last guys we had here, you know, he had, you know, all these big guys in here, all your guys are smart. I said, yeah, but all my guys can fight. So I, you know, like all of my guys have a background in, in combatives, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm not worried about somebody coming in here and causing a problem or I'm not worried about, you know, and we all we also know how to. I know they all know how to deal with the situation. And we also know how to circumvent stuff before it happens. Like the, uh, exactly. that one night we were working, 
Their other team wasn't catching any firearms. We had like six or seven firearms recorded one night. It was only four oh, hours. I, I was supposed to be there. They were having a couple events, and I was only supposed to be there for like two weeks. I ended up being there for like six months. Because I told him, I said the first the first night there, like uh, Adrian just said, he him himself, he found six guns. You know what I mean? Huh. Not including the knives and and what you said, well, uh, uh, brass and knuckles and talking, all kinds of stuff he found on people. And I'm like, this is the kind of stuff that was in your establishment before I got here. You know what I mean? And my one guy who you said was too small found all of this. Well, people don't understand. They just, well, I'm in the security industry too now. Like I was telling Arnold, like we tell him that you're not just the criminal protection is like, the, the worst case scenario you're protecting but you're protecting the image you're protecting accident like i'm here to be intelligent with you yeah. and i represent you it's not that's, just looking that's big under, like, that's an underappreciated thing being intelligent man oh yeah absolutely yeah I can, um, anybody can stand around and look me like, i want somebody <laughs> that's like they ain't seen that movie I don't know how if y'all remember the movie Roadhouse with Patrick Swayze. Patrick Swayze was just a young, he's just small. He's just, he was calm, he was cool. He's like, we're gonna have to escort you out. Those fucking tight ass jeans, yo. I, I, that must have been some movie magic. Them jeans is tight as fuck. Right? Hey, they must have been flexible. That's so flexible. <laughs> yeah, the yoga, yoga <laughs> pant jeans. The just like the Chuck Norris jeans, maybe. I don't know. Maybe Chuck Norris jeans. Um, I remember when I was working security at one night, this one dude got indignant that I said I had to check everybody, you know, it's a policy. He said he was stripped down naked. I said that that's fine, but I still gotta check. Like, bro, I'm not just picking on you. This is what the boss is requiring of me. Like this is what everybody. That's funny, man. Um, so uh, all right, so um, you mentioned the Bible. Are you? Do you consider yourself religious or no? I was raised Christian, and I like to get away from religious religion so much and so be more spiritual. Yeah, I do the same thing, bro. <laughs> I didn't move away from that book per se, but move to this philosophy and worldview and action, you know? Yeah, I so mean, I'm, I believe I believe a lot of what Jesus said, and I think Jesus was a great speaker, and I like his principles, and I like the Sermon on the Mount, and I and I like that. I just, church was, I'll become jaded to that, you know what I mean? For first off, it's a lot of because of my own reasons, because instead of fixing myself, I just went to church, and it didn't, it didn't work, <laughs> you know what I mean? I thought it was just going to be magic or something. Yeah. And I figured out that it don't matter how much of a Christian you act like, if you ain't getting your shit straight, you still just you. Yep. So <laughs> that messed it up for me. But, you know, I'm from the South and everybody raised Christian pretty much in the South. It's like, it's just part of the culture, you know what I mean? Like, oh, Jesus, this, whatever. And I just gotten away from that. Do you so, ever? But I, I still believe in, in a higher power for sure. That's important. Um, uh, I think that. You mentioned a couple of times too, but being a good person, it, the quote unquote, the details may change a bit, but it's all the same, you know, being a good person, being religious, not religious. I know for myself, I strayed away, not straight. That makes it sound like I got lost. I went away <laughs> from a lot of organized religion because I didn't like a lot of the man, the, the group politics and like following people as opposed to following the word mm. and developing yourself, as you said, instead of like listening, actually doing work, instead of passively doing active stuff, you know? Um, I run into a lot of people uh, in different circles who have issues reconciling religion and, I guess, armed preparedness, whatever, weaponry, whatever you want to call it. But even like warrior mindsets, which I think they support one another. It's stupid to me. Like, <laughs> the, you, I mean, if you look in the Bible, there's plenty of instances where there was fighting. 
right? Especially in the yeah, Old Testament, too. we can talk blood and guts. You're talking about cutting people's junk off. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we're going we're gonna to circumcise you. We're going to take over your village and we're going <laughs> to circumcise all of you. So like, but anyway, I think King David, I think to marry his wife, he's, the king told him, uh, hey, I want go four, uh, was it Palestinians? I don't remember. I think Give me four, four, you know, skins, circumcision skins. And he brought back 40 or something like that, or 400. I don't remember what it was. Like, hey, I got all these skins for you. That, that like, imagine that shit. Like, yeah, that was, Old Testament was a little rough, man. Old Testament. <laughs> <laughs> but the way I look at it, like, concerning guns, my, fighting, Old whatever. too, man. It was like, of course, my, my ultimate goal is for all of us to be at peace and work together. But I also have a good understanding of who people are. I know how bad I can be. I know how bad other people can be. And it's a decision on a regular basis to be good, in my opinion, mm-hmm. right? Um, I was I heard a sermon one time, and it really resonated with me. He's like, hey, people talk about people are inherently good. And he's like, no, it says we're inherently evil. He's like, when you're a kid and you ain't been taught anything, and you stole a cookie out of the cookie jar, and your parents ask you, and you lie and say you didn't, who taught you how to lie? Nobody taught you how to lie. You were worried about your ass. Survival is in you. You're going to do whatever it takes to freaking survive and accommodate you. And that's in you. That's not something that you, you're taught. But that's so, what I'm going back to that thing we were talking about before with the uh, the animal stuff. And if you don't learn in terms of a purpose, morality, all that other stuff, then you're going to just stay in right. that animal state. Yeah. Um, let's, let's go over your book and get ready uh, to call it for today. Do you have a book or article there? Because uh, I asked you to bring a book or anything that might be yeah. you know valuable that you found or for other people what do you got so uh there's a book that surprisingly i didn't used to read a lot of uh, science fiction and then i read uh somebody turned me on to some science fiction and and when i found in the science fiction well, there there was uh there was good i guess morality uh good stories that that could be used in real life right so even though it was a, a fictitious story everything jived with what a good man should be and the things that men go through. And one of them that was big, and I didn't learn it until after I read it. Uh, it was on the Marine. It's on the Marine Corps reading list simply because of the violence part of it. But it was, uh, it's called Ender's Game. I seen oh, the movie first. Fantastic fucking book, man. That book. And then there's, there's a, I think there's five of them total. And it goes into like the speaker for the dead and it gets a lot slower from the violence. Don't watch the movie. The movie's trash. Read yeah, the book. The movie's the book. never as good as the book. Yeah, the book's fantastic. But I read the book, and then I read all the other books after that book, and it gets even better as you go because it shows him growing into a man and becoming, like, emotional state. It's getting away from being a killer like he was and being who he was and raised the way he was and, like, going and helping other people and getting involved with, like, a family dynamic and stuff. Like, this goes deep. And I, I went on overseas and just got on a reading uh, mission and started reading all those books, and I loved it, man. Ender's Game. It meant a lot more to me than just talking about violence and fighting the enemy, which he does in the first book. Yeah. It meant so much more than that, so much deeper than that. So Ender's Game is a great book. All right, sweet, man. I appreciate it. Um, all right, well, we can get ready to conclude now, uh, unless there was anything you wanted to add or anything. But I, I think we had some good topics and some good sharing. And I, I think it will be uh, something valuable for people to get into. Um, so yeah, is there man. anything you wanted to like eat, uh, leave, or add before we uh, you know, dismiss for the day? Uh, I will add, you know, we talked about earlier before Dante was on, we were talking about uh, black folks going to black tr- instructors and stuff like that. I will say, hey, uh, holler at your boy because I'm, I'm a, I am I'm, embrace everybody, every 
every culture, every race, as long as we're we're trying to do things in a in a, in a good way, right? And we got the same mindset as far as the way we're going to use this power that we have that is a weapon or a skill, right? And we're trying to help others. Like, I want us all to prosper, bro. Um, so come to me, go see Akil as well. Akil's awesome. South Carolina Gun School, Chris down there, he's awesome. Arnold, you're a good guy, man. I appreciate you keeping up with me all this time, brother. And, uh, and we'll get together soon. Dante, good to meet you, man. You as well, brother. I appreciate y'all having me on here and taking the time and uh, appreciate you getting the message out and trying to make people better, bro. That's it. Thank you, Z. Uh, I, I would uh, echo the exact same thing. Um, it's all knowledge. And uh, at the end of the day, we all want to be better versions of ourselves and help other people. So it doesn't matter who that comes from. Um, get beyond your ego, which is what we were talking about before. Get yourself out of the way so that you can be better for other people. Um, There's no growth without discomfort, man. Yeah. No growth. So, so put yourself in situations where you learn about yourself so that you can be better for yourself and be better for others. So thank you so much, Z. I thank you for uh, posing that question. That's something that some people might feel taboo or uncomfortable about, but it's just people talking and just going over stuff. You know, that's, that's, everything is just a conversation. And um, if you don't put your ego in there, get emotional, then it's all just growth, you know? So uh, yeah, thank you so much, Z. I'm going to say you can contact as usual, and I'm going to definitely look to be out there. Uh, in the fall in Tennessee, I, I, if I can, I'll see if I can get in one of your courses or something. And if not, we'll, we'll figure out something from there. But hey, I'm bro. coming down in the fall and I'm going to be traveling out there more because uh, I'm coming your way. I'm going to be your neighbor probably soon. Yeah, I'm, come I'm, on, move on up here, bro. Bring Dante with you. Yeah, yeah, if you see me in the backyard, don't get alarmed, man. I'm just, just doing it alone. <laughs> yeah. hey, you got some, I got a place for a tent or whatever, you know. <laughs> all right, well, thank you, Z. Uh, you have a wonderful day and uh, we'll get at you later, all right? All right, brother. All right, all take right. care. Be safe, man. Thank you.